It's good to see everybody here this morning. I'd like to take this moment to welcome our visitors. I invite you back again this evening at uh, 6 p.m. for our evening worship service. Life Group 4 is having soup and dessert right after services. If you need a place to eat, we'd be glad to have you. There'll be plenty. The potato soup's not real good. So I'll let you know that right up front. Now, Mary made that. It's good. If you would silence your cell phones, we would appreciate it. have a couple of things this morning. Don't want to forget our men's retreat is coming up quick. That's March 15th and 16th. Keep Chris and his uh, family in. Your prayers are out of town. Brother Rick Creaster will be presenting our lesson this morning. I'd like to read Psalms 19, starting with verse 7, if you'd like to follow along. Psalms 19, 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the wise simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Would you bow with me, please? Father, we are thankful for this beautiful day you've given us for your son who came and died for us. We pray, Father, that the things we do this morning will be pleasing unto you in accordance with your will. We ask that you bless each and every one that's here this morning. Bless those that are not able to be here that wanted to be and we're thankful for the ways and means that we can reach out to people and do it on different uh, wavelengths and pray that you bless our efforts. We're thankful for Rick this morning as he brings us a lesson. We ask that you bless him and the things that he's thought about. We're thankful for Chris and Kelly and David and Mandy as they work here with us. We ask that you go with us through this service. We pray for our sick and our shut-ins that you watch over them. Be with John as he leads us in the singing and as we surround that table. Bless us, Father. Forgive us. In thy son's name we pray. And amen. Would you stand for the first song, please? First hymn this morning, number 111. Come we that love the Lord. 111. Come we that
Next hymn this morning, number nine, A Wonderful Savior, hymn number nine. After this hymn, Brother Derek Knapp will lead our, uh, have our scripture reading and prayer. We'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Our wonderful Our scripture reading uh, for this morning service is out of the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 15 through 17. Revelation 3, 15 through 17. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. 
but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for this time that we have to gather together to worship you. Father, I pray that everything we do here this morning is pleasing to you and done in accordance with, with your will. Father, I, I pray that the, the songs sang and the words spoken this morning, Lord, one, are pleasing to you, and the, the word that is brought forth uh, sinks down into our hearts, Father, and leads us into truth and leads us into change like only your word can do. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Next time this morning, number 495, Oh, the depth and the riches. <clears throat> Oh, the depth and the riches of God's saving grace, the of the cross for me. There's a death for my sins by the Savior was paid, in his suffering on Calvary. Oh, the What is love? I have a unique experience, not experience, but a perspective on that. I am single. I have no kids. I have heard many times 
well, you just don't understand. You're not married or you don't have kids. Which it's times like that you kind of feel like Forrest Gump. You're like, I'm not a smart man. <laughs> but I know what love is. <laughs> and one of those times actually happened to me the other day. I, w- I was in Columbus Wednesday through Friday for a training. And Friday, I was sitting at lunch with some coworkers. And of course, when you only see coworkers twice a year, you get the normal, well, how are your kids and how all that? Well, the conversation went to sports and how much things cost and, and the time that they have to spend. And I'm, I made the comment, like, you know, there's times that I regret not having kids, but conversations like this lessen that regret. And somebody said in response was, well, the things we do because we love them. And me being me, before I thought it through, I said, well, but I put up with this job and I surely don't love it. (laughs) Now, looking back, that probably wasn't the thing to say to the chief of the department. (laughs) Actually, both people ahead of me in the division we're sitting right there, but so I'll find out tomorrow if I still have a job. Uh, they laughed. I think I'm okay. But it made you think, is that love? Is putting up with things love? I do think love is a part of that. I mean, why else would you put up with that kind of stuff? But is that really love? We have been shown love. We have been told what love is. From the perspective of Jesus, in John chapter 15, starting in verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus tells us his love for us, that he's willing to lay down his life for us. Going back a few chapters in John chapter 3. This is the verse that we hear so often, but it's God's perspective on the love for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The verse that always is left off. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God was willing to send his son And a lot of times we stand up here and say, for us. It's not just for us. It's the world. The world that he had no assurance that would in turn love him. The world that crucified his son. He was willing to give his son for that. Like I said, I have no children, but I have nephews. 
if somebody took my nephew, three years old today actually, and said, he dies or everybody in here dies. I'd say, well, it was nice knowing you. I'm not willing to give him up. But God did. Jesus showed his love for us on the cross and leading up to the cross. He was beaten. He was insulted. He was made a spectacle of, but he did it because he loved us. We have these emblems today that represent his love for us so that we can remember the love that he showed for us. We have the bread that represents his body, which he gave up freely, and the fruit of the vine that represents his blood that he shed on our behalf. As we partake of this bread, remember that love and remember what he did for us. Let's go to God, ask blessing for the bread. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for the love that you showed to us, the love that you continuously showed to us. Lord, we know that the greatest gift you have ever given is your son. We thank you for your willingness to do that so that he may make that sacrifice and save us. Lord, we thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for the his body that he gave up for us. Lord, we pray now that you'll bless this bread that we partake of and that it represents his sacrifice. Lord, bless it, bless us, and forgive us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
bow again and ask blessing on the fruit of the vine. Father in heaven, Lord, again, we come before you thanking you for what you have given us. Lord, we thank you for your son and his willingness to lay down his life for his friends, for us, for the world. We thank you for the blood that he shed on our behalf, the blood that is symbolized through this fruit of the vine that we are about to partake of. Lord, we pray that you'll bless it and bless us. Let us always remember the love that you and he showed for us. Be with us, forgive us, for it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. We have one more item that we take care of at this moment, and that is our collection. God sent his son, but he also has given us a lot. Um, everything we have is from him is his. Uh, we use this time to um, 
take up the offering to support his work, to use it to evangelize, to bring others to him. We do it at this time because we've given, been given the example. Paul to the church corner said, lay by in store. So we use that as an example that we follow. Let's go to God and ask blessing on our gift giving. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you so much for all the many blessings you've given us. Lord, our jobs, our families, our means of livelihood, our ways to support ourselves and others. Lord, we have been given so much, and we know it all comes from you. Lord, we pray that as we give back now a portion of what you've given us, that we'll do so in a manner pleasing to you in a loving and caring way. Lord, we pray that you'll bless the funds that are collected today, that they will go to furthering your kingdom on this earth. Lord, again, we thank you for your son, and we ask that you be with us and forgive us. For it's through Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all please stand again and we'll sing hymn number 156, For Christ in the Church, number 156. So at this time, the young children may go to the children's Bible hour. We'll sing the first three verses. For Christ in the church, let our voices ring, let us all hear the name of the King, let us worship in the strength of the earth and walk from his hands for the kingdom of truth. For Christ has received her for
The invitation hymn for this morning, number 356, Jesus is Tenderly Calling. This time, Brother Rick. Good morning. Checking to be, make sure I'm on. I doubt that you have uh, seen this man's picture before. He looks like a 1950s or 60s uh, sitcom dad. Uh, for those of us who remember what those guys looked like. His name is Richard Feynman. And he was, probably in the 60s and 70s, uh, certainly more so than today, a world-renowned physicist. Um, he uh, got the Nobel Prize in physics in 1965. He was asked to give uh, and deliver the uh, commencement address, graduation speech at Stanford in 1974. And uh, I'm sure he talked a little about physics and about the properties of physics and maybe how they apply to life. But whether he was talking about physics or life, he said this, the first principle that you, that you must not is that you must not fool yourself. I guess in physics and science, you let the data, you let the results lead you to where they lead you. You don't uh, make assumptions, you do, and you don't misinterpret data, and by doing so, fooling yourself and coming up with flawed uh, conclusions. But in life as well, first principle, he suggests, is that you must not fool yourself. And you notice the three dots. Here's what he says after that. And you are the easiest person to fool. Interesting statement. We'll come back to him a little bit later. Derek read for us uh, the uh, section in uh, Laodicea, uh, on Laodicea and Revelation uh, chapter 3, verses 15 to 17. So I won't read the whole thing to you, but I'll just point out the things that are highlighted there. I know your deeds. He used that for just about every one of the seven churches that he talks Two in Revelations two and three, Revelation two and three, but this one is negative. Sometimes it's positive. This one was negative, and he says, "You're lukewarm. You're not hot or cold." And as a result, I wish you were one of those. And I got a feeling he wished you were hot rather than cold. But the lukewarm piece was really intolerable for him. So I'll spit you out of my mouth. You think you're rich. You think you're wealthy. You think you're okay. But you're not. You're just the opposite. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And I would be willing to grant that he might also say, and you fooled yourself. You fooled yourself into thinking that you are okay, and you're not. So what does lukewarm mean? It is an adjective. Moderately warm or tepid, and it's usually spoken of things that are supposed to be served hot, but have lost their heat and are now in that lukewarm state, and they drink bitter, lukewarm coffee. I don't know about you, when I let my coffee sit too long and I get it in my mouth, if I'm near a sink, I would just as soon prefer to spit it out than swallow it. Very distasteful, but it can also be um, showing a little enthusiasm for something. Uh, the film received a lukewarm reception. Some synonyms might be indifferent, half-hearted, apathetic, unenthusiastic, or spiritless. 
Um, I think Karen was talking to Seb uh, a week or so ago and uh, asked him how he felt about something. And uh, he said, meh. And I thought, where did he hear Yiddish? How would he know? How would he know? He, he wants to learn to speak German, and we're trying to talk him out of that because nobody speaks German except German, I guess. But he's now, we'll just go ahead and teach him Yiddish, I guess. I don't know. I doubt that. So my actions speak to who I am. We have beliefs. All of us have beliefs. All of us have these um, uh, feelings, these, and I can't even remember what my A and C notes are there. Assumptions and convictions. We all have a belief system. We all have a body of, of things in our head that we believe in. And those beliefs contribute to the values that we have, worthy uh, notions, worthy ideas. And so the beliefs inform the values and, and we shape our lives around those two things, our beliefs and our values. And they influence our attitudes toward things, toward people, toward the world, um, society, um, all sorts of things. So we have these beliefs and these values and these attitudes which influence our behaviors and actions. And so you have this cycle, don't know why that appeared earlier, that you have that cycle taking place and, and then those behaviors kind of reinforce beliefs or we introduce new beliefs that we take on and then that reshapes our values possibly and our attitudes and behaviors. So it's an ongoing cycle of things. It's difficult to hide who I am. Um, we were just talking over here about uh, responding uh, without thinking uh, ahead of time. You know, most of us are going, they, you say, I, I am who I am. I, I'm sorry. Um, um, take me as I am or, or whatever. But it's difficult to hide who we are. And that is a biblical principle. For as a man thinks within himself, beliefs, values, attitudes, so is he. You will know them by their fruits. Jesus was talking about the Pharisees here. And, and you will be able to determine what kind of individuals they are, who they really are inside by their fruits, by the way that they act out in public. And he indicted them not only in that Sermon on the Mount, but uh, really back in Matthew chapter 23 as well. Pharisees were criticizing the apostles, I believe, at this point for uh, uh, gathering in the, from the fields on, on, on the Sabbath. And, and, and they said, it will defile you if you eat that. And, and Jesus says, what proceeds out of the mouth, this is what defiles the man. The things that proceed out of the mouth, that's, our, that's an action on our part, come from the heart. Beliefs, values, and attitudes. And those are the things that defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. I'm sure he was saying this sad, this uh, extreme um, behavior, but there's all of those others that aren't quite that extreme that are just as bad in his sight as well. So here's a question. How committed am I to God and or Jesus? Do I love him? How much do I love him? We have back in Deuteronomy uh, this statement that, that Jesus repeats when uh, asked what is the greatest commandment. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, 
all your mind and with all your might or strength, depending on the version that you're looking at. I wonder why I put all in there four times. Think it was important? Must have been. It's everything. It's everything we have. And it's everything of all four of those. Our heart, our soul, our mind, and our might, our physical being as well. Uh, Luke 9 um, says to this, says this to, uh, he's talking to the people there. And he's talking about the cost of discipleship. And he says, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. And we're not going to spend time talking about all the implications of that, but you know that means commitment. And follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he's the one that will save it making a play there on physical life, eternal life. You're going to gain your physical life at the cost of your eternal life. You're going to gain your eternal life. You're going to have to give something up of the physical life. That's the commitment, level of commitment he's talking about. A few passages later, a few verses later, he says, follow me. And the person says, permit me to go first and bury my father, which means seems like a logical request. My father has just passed away. Let me do that. I'm, I'm with you 100%. Jesus said, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the gospel, the kingdom of God everywhere. Another one said, well, well, let me go at least and notify my family. And he says, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Pretty strong statements by our Lord and Savior about how much we have to love him and follow him and give up for him if we want to be a disciple of his says here, Jesus, if anyone comes to me and does not love less or hate, the verb there is hate, but it means love less than our own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. It's cool. Pretty much everybody. Yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Sigh, family, <laughs> God. Now you, you didn't have God over here, and I know what you would choose. But that's the choice he's saying that you have to make. If loving your family more than you love me is where you are, you can't be my disciple. 100%. I could say 110, but that's, a, that's overused. I can't give more than 100. So do I love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and might? Is what I say what I have in my heart? Is what I do what I have in my heart? Is there a consistency there? And are they good things? Paul in Galatians 5 talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, faithfulness, gentleness, and uh, self-control says these are the outgrowths of love for God. Disciplining oneself for God. So do I, on a daily basis, when given the opportunity, exhibit those kind of traits, or do I exhibit things that wouldn't be included in that list? We need to ask ourselves that, because I think that's what that passage is teaching. 
what evidences could we point to? What examples could we say on a day-to-day basis or in life that we do that exhibit those kinds of fruits? What would others say about us? Would they say, oh, he loves God, and it's evident in the way he or she carries himself, converses, what they say, how they say it, what they do, where they go, how they spend their time. Those would be evidences. And what, what, what would other people say? How would God or anyone know if you didn't live it out in your daily life? So another question is, am I growing in my knowledge of him? Growth is a command in the Bible. Here what Peter has to say. Grow, command, in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in my knowledge of him. How do I do that? Prayer. Not alone. I don't think God is going to insert more knowledge of him into our heads if we're not willing to go and study what he has given us as his will. So we grow, we study, we want to add prayer to that, that's great. Might draw us closer to him through that knowledge and through that prayer. 2 Timothy 2.5, listen to how intense these words are. Be diligent, pretty strong in there. Show yourself approved to be a workman. Sounds like effort involved there. Who does not need to be ashamed, handily, accurately, the word of truth. There's no way that we can handle it accurately unless we know it, first of all. And if you're not growing in it, then you're disobeying the command up there from Peter. Peter, again, if you taste, have tasted the kindness of the Lord, and I'm assuming that means that I have done what I need to uh, respond to him and to his, his gospel. Like a babe longs for milk to survive, craves milk to survive. He says, like a babe, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. So growth and salvation are tied together. Sounds like it here. Long for it. Consume it so that you can grow in respect toward salvation. So, those are the command to grow. What does he say about those that don't grow? 1 Corinthians 3. And brethren, I could not speak to you as spiritual men. I should be able to speak to you as spiritual men, but I can't do it. And here's why. You're men of flesh. You are still focused on the flesh as to babes in Christ. And I was only able to give you milk to drink and not solid food regarding Christ for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you are not able to because you are still fleshly. Their focus was on this world. He couldn't even speak to them about notions, concepts, um, more uh, detailed information because they were still back here as babes and had not grown any. Hebrews 5 says, so, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, saying, you've had this for a while. You should have grown 
in it to the point where you could turn around and teach others. And that's the true sign of whether you know something or not, your ability to teach others. You have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you've come to need milk and not solid food. Same terminology that Paul uses up in Corinthians. He says in the next verse or two, you're still a babe. Solid food is for the mature who, because of practice and use of that information, have their senses trained to be able to discern very distinctly between good and evil, not just in a general sense. Some questions for all of us. How much have I grown in the knowledge of God since I became a Christian? For some of us, that's decades ago. So let's hope over the decades that we have grown. How much in the last 10 years? How much in the last year? If you're not growing, you're not pleasing God. You're not satisfying the commands to grow in our knowledge of him. And that's only done through study. Or at least coming in contact with his word. Revelation 2, uh, 10 says to all of those churches, I believe, be thou faithful unto death and I'll give you a crown of life. Uh, is growing part of being faithful unto death? I would think so. 1 Timothy 4, 7, 2 Timothy 4, 7 says keep the faith. That means continue in it, suffer with him, Romans 8, in order to be glorified with him. That's going to that's gonna demand of us a commitment that is only fueled by knowing more about him and loving him more day by day as a result of that knowledge. So if I'm not growing, or let's say I am, or I'm planning to, what am I currently doing to grow? 1 Peter 3.15 says, prepare to give everybody a defense for the hope that lies in you. My hope is heaven. Can I defend that hope? Can I tell people why I have that hope? It says, by doing so, I sanctify Christ in my heart. Something else that we need to be aware of doing. Have I reached that maturity that, that followed that uh, Hebrews 5 verse back up there? Uh, have I, have I, am I going, heading toward maturity? Am I approaching maturity? Have I reached it? Am I working toward it? Could I be a teacher? And if not, would God, Jesus, be happy with us having had the word the way we have, we have it? Could you conduct an on-the-spot Bible study having been a Christian as long as you have? Here are some topics. Could you defend from the scriptures? And these are just samples. Why the new covenant is our guide and not the old covenant. Why we know it's possible to lose our salvation. Why we don't use musical instruments in worship here. Why we observe the Lord's Supper every week. Why we immerse in baptism rather than pour or sprinkle. From the scriptures, remember all of these. Why don't we pray to Mary or to man-appointed saints like some do? Why don't we consider ourselves a denomination? And why aren't we a member of a synod, a diocese, a con conference, a larger superstructure above and beyond just a local congregation? Could you do that? 
Could on the spot, if someone asked you that, could you defend that from the scripture? And why we have elders as an arrangement for leadership instead of a preacher-pastor arrangement where one person is given control over the congregation. And if you can't, why not? Judgment Day accountability. I don't know what's going to happen on Judgment Day. We have, you know, second, uh, 1 Corinthians 9 that tells us uh, dead in Christ to rise and we meet Christ in the air and all that. But what is actually going to happen on that day, I don't know. Um, but let's just suppose it's like a courtroom with God and Jesus asking us questions. What might those questions be? And how would I answer them? How confident am I that my defense would be convincing? Wouldn't my case be clearly thumbs up or thumbs down? Or as we say in sports, on the bubble? Somewhere in between? Remember, we're talking about eternity here. How would I currently assess my love for and commitment to God and Jesus? Just think for a second. On, on, a, on a scale from 1 to 10, am I a 10? Am I a 9? Am I an 8? Am I a 7? Does it go lower than that? have to be honest with ourselves. Am I happy with that number once settled in on it? Would God be happy with that number? What is my plan to change it? Here's an interesting question. Is how often I show up at Rome Church of Christ any kind of indicator of the following? And I'm maybe by asking I'm making a suggestion, but this is a question you have to answer for yourself. How much I love God. How much I want to have a deep abiding relationship with him. How much I want to grow in him and his word. How much I want to interact with and draw strength from my brothers and sisters. How much I want to bear their burdens according to Galatians 6 and stimulate them to love and good deeds, Hebrews 10. It's hard to do that unless we do show up on a regular basis. How much I want to contribute to the work of this church and help it carry out its commanded work of evangelism, edification, and benevolence. Is it an indication of how much I want to grow and prosper, want it to grow and prosper as a body of the Lord in this community? Is it an indication of how much I care about my influence for God within this congregation and out in the community? These last two are interesting. How much I value my soul and want to go to heaven. And then how much time I have to turn things around before I die if they need turning around. And you might say, well... Is it necessary to be here every time the door is open? I don't know. Here are some things that we can currently know. Sunday mornings. Uh, since COVID, we're back up to somewhere between 160 and 180. Uh, averaging, I'm thinking, we've been up to 200, I think, recently a couple of times, uh, which is great uh, for class before that. 
uh, we have considerably fewer. Um, don't know why you wouldn't want to show up for class and learn more about God's word prior to worship, but evidently some do. Sunday evenings, about half. 50% drop. Wednesday in Devo, about like Sunday evening. Same for, for Devo and Bible study. Some come to one and not the other. You might say, well, that's similar to other congregations. Yes, doesn't make it right. The congregation we left in Bowling Green, Kentucky, somewhere right at 200. Sunday morning class, Sunday morning worship, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And Wednesday night even had a few more because some of the college students would invite their friends who had worship elsewhere on Sunday. It's possible. Don't know why we accept these reduced statistics for anything other than Sunday morning worship. I had a, uh, a, a professor who taught um, one of my uh, graduate courses, and he, he was trying to get principals to spend more time in classrooms. And he said, if you walk in and you're an administrator, do the students change your behavior? Do they sit up straight? You know. Do they start paying attention to the teacher? Does the teacher behave differently? This suggests that you're not a fixture in the classroom. You're an anomaly in the classroom. You need to be a fixture so that when you walk in, everything just stays the same as it is. So the op application is, are we a fixture here at Rome Church of Christ, or are we an anomaly? We have life groups, opportunity to get to know one another better, uh, to learn more about one another, bear one another's burdens, and so forth. Good people here. There's some good people here, and they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, are you more comfortable with others outside the church? And if so, what does that say? Do you not want to get too close, or you feel like you'll be involved in activities that, that take you out of your comfort zone? Is it a time thing? I just don't have the time for that. Well, we all know that we make time for the things that we want to do. Last points, almost. Uh, a few years ago, I uh, taught class for Chris uh, Sunday morning, and an uh, elderly lady um, caught me as I was going back around. She said, I enjoyed class this morning. Had a lot of discussion, a lot of, a lot of talk and everything. I said, well, I said, feel free to come and join us on Wednesday night because that's the kind of, kind of class that, that I like to teach. A lot of interaction, a lot of, a lot of people talking. And she said this, if I showed up on a Wednesday night, God would have a heart attack. It is funny, but it's also sad, I think. And I think I told her at the time, I think God could handle it. Um, but here's the situation. How does she view herself and her commitment and willingness to change? Sometimes we convince ourselves that that's just who we are. We are a Sunday morning worship only or just a Sunday attender. No one's making you stay away. If it's a priority, if we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and might, as he tells us to, maybe we can change. 
Here's what we might offer. Well, if what I do is good enough for God, and he ought to be happy that I give him what I do. I come once a week. I haven't missed a Sunday worship service in years. I even watched online during COVID. I think that demonstrates a pretty strong commitment. We can't fool ourselves into thinking what little we give God is enough. We should always be looking for ways to give him more. We cannot be satisfied being a part-time, half-time, lukewarm Christian. He, we know what he says about lukewarmness. Very distasteful. I will spit you out of my mouth. We always knew, we know the saying, and I believe it's in the scripture, remember Lot's wife. I would say, no, remember Laodicea. Laodicea thought that they were okay. They were wealthy. She said, we're fine, we have need of nothing. And he said, no, you are wretched and poor and blind and naked, and you don't even know it. So I just tried to think of what are some characteristics of uh, an individual who's either cold or hot uh, for God. I won't read these to you. You can read them yourself. Well, I will read them because someone may be watching. Uh, friends are non-Christians, uh, not even religious, cold side, hot side. Most of our friends are at least religious, if not Christians. Pastime. I do nothing related to spirituality on the hot side. My spare times includes a focus on spirituality. As we go down through here, see how many you would tick on either side. Rarely think about God, Jesus, heaven, etc. Or I think about God, Jesus, often during the day. I never listen to religious music versus I listen to religious music. And I, I hesitate to put this in there because, uh, you know, this, well, what does that mean? It means that I'm, I'm at least thinking those words and those thoughts, which are the, many of the thoughts that come right out of the Bible and that we should have, rather than the thoughts that are coming from the music that I regularly listen to, and we all know that that's not good stuff in most cases. Things you do used to hurt your conscience, but don't anymore on the cold side. On the hot side, it's easier and easier to make moral choices. God or religion is never discussed in the home. Home focus is, on, is focused on doing his will. We never open the Bible or read related literature or we read the Bible and related literature daily or at least regularly on the hot side. Seldom if ever attend worship or Bible study. Seldom or ever, if ever miss worship or Bible study. No prayer versus praying daily and possibly often. That's the list. So where did you fall in most of, of these offerings, on the left or on the right, or as you might want to choose somewhere in between? God has said that somewhere in between is not acceptable. I got a feeling on Judgment Day, I need to be on the right side of that. Not only in the pink zone, I need to be in the red zone. And I need to be there to please him. 
you're not a member of the Lord's body, you need to be. If you are a member of the Lord's body and uh, need the prayers of the congregation, uh, we offer an invitation to allow you to, to come forward in either one of those cases. So if you're subject to that invitation, come while we stand and sing John. Jesus is tenderly calling me, calling me today, calling me today. Why the Good morning, church family. Hope everyone is doing okay this morning. If you're visiting with us, we are glad you decided to worship with us this morning. If you can take a moment to fill out a visitor card, so that way we can have record of your attendance with us this morning and place it in a black box in the back. We'd love for, uh, be happy for you to do that for us. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. Uh, ladies Bible class uh, this Tuesday, I'm sorry, this Monday, will meet um, and they uh, 10 a.m., and they will be going over Lesson 2. Um, so I know uh, last Monday the ladies' group was it was full in there. It was, it was great to see. So I do encourage you to come to that. Also, uh, Life Group 2 will host a pie and bake-off on March 10th after evening services to honor National Pie Day. That's P-I, not the actual eating pie. That's cute. Um, so, so we need all bakers to bring your favorite pies and all, uh, all the people who want to eat pie, that's me, and sure you, uh, to come uh, and join in that and vote on your favorite pies. So that should be a lot of fun and a lot of fun to fellowship uh, with that. Uh, Blake uh, Trevathan is going on a mission trip through Harding University and is looking for funds uh, for that. 
Um, if you're wanting to donate to that, please see me or Mandy, and we'll make sure he gets the funds for that. Um, and that's, he needs his money by the end of the month um, for that uh, particular mission trip. Also, we are gathering gifts for Valentine's Day and care packages for our college students. Um, if you can bring candy or make a card or, or something that you want to give to our college kids, um, please just put out in the foyer in front of the TV out there. Also, today, Life Group 4, that's Jerry's Life Group, will be having soup and sandwiches after morning services. Uh, so, Life Group 4, please be there for that. Also, Wednesday, uh, this Wednesday is Stepping Stones Dinner, and that is at, starts at 5.30. Uh, soup and sandwiches are on the menu for that. Also, Saturday, this Saturday, February the 10th, is Valentine's Day card and craft for the sixth grade and younger uh, youth event. And uh, Tuesday, February the 20th, is Young at Heart, and we will be heading to Crackle Barrel um, on February 20th. Uh, we're still needing CYC snacks. There's a sign-up sheet on the foyer board if you can help out with that. And also, February 18th, Life Group 3, that's Jeremy's Life Group, will be hosting uh, Share Your Love Meal. Um, this is for our widows and widowers and single, single folks. Um, and that's February the 18th. Um, that'll be on a Sunday after services. Updates on our prayer list. Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus. It's good to see him here uh, with us this morning. Remember, continue to keep Jim Martin in your prayers and Jackie Hutchison. It's good to see Jackie here with us this morning as well as they continue with their cancer treatments. Um, it's good to see Flo Keeler here. Uh, remember, continue to keep her in your prayers as well. Uh, also, um, Elizabeth Brammer, um, sister, uh, Lula Gillespie, uh, has been diagnosed with cancer, and um, things are really bad with uh, Lula. Um, she's, uh, they're predicting her not to make it, so keep, uh, keep the Gillespie family in your prayers at this time. Uh, Merrin, continue to keep Friday Simpson in your prayers. She had two treatments this week, or last week and um, recovering from her treatment, so keep her in your prayers. Remember, continue to keep Roger Kaufman in your prayers, and it's good to see Jim Haney with us this morning. Uh, remember, continue to keep him in your prayers, and keep uh, uh, Dana Jones Terrell, Spitzer's brother, is in the hospital, so uh, keep uh, Terrell Spitzer's brother in your prayers. That's all the announcements I have. Um, is there anything else I may have missed? sing one more song and um, have a prayer. Looking forward to seeing you again at 6 o'clock. Let's please stand. We'll sing hymn number 156. We'll sing the last verse that we didn't sing this morning. <clears throat> and then after that, Brother Chad Ward will have a prayer. For Christ in the church that has gathered us, for Christ from every great king of self, fear and pride. May our life be enriched by an angel friend, this happy the call to the Savior's right Oh, oh. 
Let us pray. Dear God, our Father in heaven, we are so thankful to have been a part of this worship service this morning. Father, we ask your blessing upon each of us as we leave here, that you will bless us throughout uh, the rest of our week and bring us back uh, this evening or, or later this week, Father. I ask your blessing upon those who were mentioned uh, to be in prayer for, to be with Jimmy and, and Jackie and Jim Martin and Eula Gillespie. Pray that you be with Friday and, and Roger Kaufman and, and continue to be with Jim Haney and watch over them, Father. Father, we're most often, most often and and we're, we're mostly thankful, Father, for, for the gift of your Son, who died for each of us. Watch over us, forgive us when we sin. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Well, thank you. I've got a bit of a cold. <laughs>